live at the Hawks Nest on the summit in Pataskala. This is Garage Days. I'm your host, Arch Madness. If you missed the first episode and you're just stumbling upon this, I'm I'm in my garage. This yeah, is your garage. This is my garage, and that's Doug Blessing you hear there. We'll uh, get to Doug here in a second because we've got kind of a funny story of how we had to kind of shut the garage. But anyway, I'm going to have friends stop by. We got some friends here right now. Friends are going to call in, but I'm drinking in my garage with my buddies, and we're talking rock. It's it's not a studio, and it's about as Doug. Do you agree? It's about as stripped down as, I as you can. I think this is as raw as you can possibly get a podcast. This is beyond. This is like one level below unplugged, <laughs> right? I appreciate you joining us. Grab a cold one, maybe like eight or nine. Lots of sunset strip talk on this one. Uh, the Give Me Five listener poll question: Your top five favorites. Uh, actually, the 80s Sunset Strip bands. More on that later, how we're going to break that down. That could be – I don't think it's going to be a problem, Doug. Uh, we, but I said 80s. Yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. We'll see. Uh, I'll read your Facebook comments uh, on that question. Rock House singer Doug Blessing is in the nest. He is a uh, Knight of the Rock table, and he's going to uh, join us here shortly. Mark Knight, guitarist and co-founder uh, of the band Bang Tango. As far as the late 80s, and we were talking about this off the air, Doug, uh, in the Sunset Strip – Bang Tango, late '80s. I mean, they were the shit, yeah, man. man. They, they, yeah. they, they were, they were like on the next cusp of, of yeah, greatness yeah. of the Sunset Strip in the '80s. And Mark is just—he's a great dude. Uh, he's a Cali kid. He grew up on the Strip, and he's—he's he's gonna have some killer stories for us. We'll also get to the latest update on on Bang Tango. We'll ask him about that. Uh, remember, original Bang Tango—they were ready to play some gigs before shit hit the fan, and they had they had that sold out show at the Whiskey to start the year, and then then the Rona. But uh, we'll get the latest on Bang Tango, and Mark has a, a new solo album coming out next year. Uh, we'll get the uh, specifics on that. Uh, he's a great songwriter, and Mark still has – he still makes great music, and we did a whole vinyl analysis, Doug, on Bang Tango. Yeah, yeah. Te- Technically, two episodes on them, three if you count the Lost Era yeah. episode because that was one of the, – they were one of the front runners in that. I mean one of the bands that we focused on I should say, not front runners. But you know, you think about them, Saigon Kick. Mm-hmm. I mean all those bands that were in the lost era of the late 80s, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, we spent a lot of time uh, yep. you know, early on uh, getting together with the, with uh, Kevin for the Knights of the Rock table talking about Attack of Life, the Bang Tango movie, right. which I still think is one of the rawest and just really – just dives so deep into the lives of those guys. Um, especially, uh, you know, Joe Lestay, uh, from, from Bang Tango. Um, that's a fantastic movie and getting to, and getting to talk to Drew, the, you know, the guy that put it together was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It really is. And you don't even have to be a Bang Tango fan. If you're a music fan, check that out. I mean, it's, I told the guys from South of Eden, I said, dudes, watch this, yeah. watch this. It's this a, is, a, this is, doc, yeah. yeah. Cause that was a hell of a band and, and it was a cool story when Bang Tango squashed their shit here recently and decided to play shows together again. But I uh, can't wait to talk to Mark. Well, here we are. We're here in the uh, the Hawks Nest, and you can hear as the boys uh, finish their beers. They like to throw their beers onto the floor. <laughs> We've had everything. And, Doug, you know, I like to let people look behind the curtain a, a little bit. So we, we recorded the Mark Knight interview before we did this, okay? Yeah. And and at that time, it was like – it was – what would you say? It was, it was 8 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. It was. And my neighbor started blowing <laughs> leaves in the dark. And I, gotta say, and I there, love them. But there was it, all kinds of shit going on. We had a, a motorcycle, you know. What uh, the hell was that? The, but that, that wasn't like a bunch of dudes on a Harley's. Yeah. It was like five ninjas that just rolled through here, like a late 90s movie. Yes. Yeah. Your neighbor uh, got out of spotlight and was blowing leaves at 8 o'clock at night. Uh, so. It was so – anyway, that's, that's where we're at. It, the show is about – uh, the Sunset Strip, and and before we even get into that, because the last show and it was our first show, it's a pretty heavy deal. Yeah. And it was the whole it was Eddie Van Halen, and thank you for the kind words, Doug. Yeah, it was a great episode. The, yeah, you were saying it was earlier. awesome to hear from uh, from Rick Soga and Rick Martellino and all, no, you know, all those guys yeah. because uh, who you do know, you think of? Yeah, exactly. Like right? here here locally, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know, all these guys that. We've been watching play music, and and you know you know we all know who the Van Halen fans and the people that have, yep. you know, been uh, huge huge fans of their music and their style and everything like that. We all know who they are. So yeah, it was it was great to hear from them. I love it. yeah, that's okay. badass. Show my VH <laughs> to, to Doug there. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm gonna I want you to give your your top five, and then I yeah. Well, you know what I thought when uh I, I was uh I I wanted to make sure I mentioned this because. I think this applies to a lot of the guys that that we know here locally. So I had to remember, you know, that, you know, when 1984 came out, I was 13 years old. 
Okay. Right. So uh, maybe two years prior to that coming out, um, uh, we moved when I was a kid. We, we were, it was around the time that I was getting ready to go into sixth grade. And my, uh, the apartment that I lived in as a kid had Kiss posters on the wall, right? right? Those came down, Kiss and Star Wars. Those came down when we moved. We moved to our new house around the time I was in sixth grade. And within within less than two years, the, the Van Halen posters went up. And that's yeah. honest to God truth. You know, my, my room was Van Halen posters. Eddie Eddie and, and Dave posters. I had the wall posters uh, or the, uh, the ones that go on your door, full-size right. door posters and all that. So what I had to remind myself of was I was 13 years old when 1984 came on. So I didn't really know Van Halen until I was probably around 12. And you and I talked about it uh, earlier when I got here. It all started because of MTV when those original three videos, the concert videos. um, In Oakland. Yep, in Oakland of Unchained, uh, Hear About It Later, and So This Is Love were in regular rotation. And this was prior to 1984, before there was Hot for Teacher and Jump and all that. And my buddies and I saw him were like, well, that's, you know, that's badass, you know, I mean, you know, Alex Van Hill and hitting the gong when it's on fire on Unchained and, you know, Dave doing the, the varsity off the drum riser and stuff. We thought those were awesome. That was my my first segue into Van Hill. And then, of course, 1984 came comes out when I'm 13 and I get it. And so I think that a lot of guys that we know were around that either around our age were in that same scenario because we got to experience the Van Halen catalog almost all at the same time. Right. Because within a year of when 1984 came came out, I bought all the other Van yep, Halen albums. Yep, yep. So I had all six of them to absorb all at the same time, which was amazing because I didn't have to wait for the next one to come out. I didn't have to, you know, wait. You know, and and they, there's a you know a lot of talk about how long it took them to come out with you know in between. Uh, uh, fair warning and, and Diver Down and Diver Down was was kind of disappointing because it was so short and it had a lot of covers on it. I didn't have to worry about any of that. I right. got to absorb all six albums of their catalog all at the same time and get to experience all of that together, which is amazing, you know. And and I still think back about that because me and all my buddies were all in the same situation. <laughs> we're all 11, 12, 13 years old, listening to Van Halen, and we got to hear it all at the same time. We're hey, have you heard this song? Hey, have you heard this song? Do you have this album yet? So that was pretty badass. He's got a Sure, he's got to get that tractor back into the garage. All right, the tractor's back. Oh up. God! I tell you, we're on the summit here in Pataskala, and yeah. it's it's the truth. This is raw, man. Isn't it? It's, it's a little too raw at times. Uh, isn't it crazy though, man? Like, I, I go back to this all the time, and I just I think it's a great science experiment for guys who are our age. We're the same exact age, and that that kiss to Van Halen. Progression is just something that's so funny because everyone, even like the guys, I like you think about Dimebag and stuff. Mm-hmm. When you t- when they talk about him and they ask him who his heroes were, he goes in that order. Well, yeah. I loved Ace Frehley when I was a kid. I wore the makeup and boom, I got into Eddie Van Halen. And it was just Eddie was like, it was it was more music. Whereas Kiss was the Flash, and yeah, I love Ace and everything, but there was more of the visual. Uh, Van Halen, it was more of the – I mean the music hit you in the gut where yeah. they, the pyrotechnics hit you with Kiss and opening right. up Kiss Alive 2 and just being blown away by it. You know what I mean? But it's, I think it's amazing how so many of us go through that progression where we're into Kiss and then we're into Van Halen. Do you have a top five VH? I do, and I'll bust this out real quick because I know you know obviously the last episode was about Van Halen and we've got some ground right to cover tonight for Sunset I gotcha. Strip. I got you. I got you. So uh, like some of the other people said on your last episode – these are, you know, in picking up, you know, five songs from a catalog that, that is a, a huge part of my life was damn near impossible. So I just kind of went with ones that grabbed me at certain times in my life. Like I said, those first three videos, those first three live videos, I loved all three of them, still do. Uh, so, uh, so this is love. Yeah. Okay. It's a great song. Yeah. Fair, uh, Fair Warning is my favorite album by Van Halen. Picking one song of that, damn near impossible. But I went with So This Is Love. Uh, off Van Halen 2, DOA. Still one of my favorite Van Halen riffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just kicks you right in the teeth. Um, Atomic Punk off of Van Halen 1. Once again, Van Halen 1, pretty much a perfect album. <laughs> you know, as albums go, picking one song's tough, but I love Atomic Punk. Um, and then I had to throw a couple Sammy tunes on there because I was a uh, senior in high school, and the first year or two I graduated high school when the first couple Sammy albums came out, and they were a big part of my life back then. Uh, off 5150, Best of Both Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Love that song st- uh, still to this day. And off of OU812, 
I had to go with Cabo Wabo. I remember just jamming that song uh, in my buddy's car, uh, his Camaro that had the uh, Alpine stereo system when OU when two came out that summer, and us cranking that song up. Um, and when I, I finally did go to Cabo when I was, oh, geez, I don't know, a long time later. You better that, have played that song. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I remember listening to that song, I mean, for weeks before I went, just pumping myself up to finally go to, uh, to Cabo. But, uh, yeah. So th- those, you know. Those are I, great, man. I, picking five songs is tough. I know. Man, but, I know. know but they, they all have a meaning, you know. They sure do. Uh, Flight Pattern Bob. Flight Pattern Bob. What do we got? What is that? American Eagle. That's a Charlotte. American Eagle from Charlotte. It's an Embraer E-175. Okay. For you that don't know, there's 78 people on there. There are 78 people on there. How many are hot chicks? Uh, Charlotte, there's like seven. Yeah, there's at least Charlotte. seven on there. <laughs> How high was that? Uh, 2,000 feet? 2,400 feet. 2,400 feet. Tiger, there you go. Doug, and before we throw the, before we move on to the next segment, which is Sunset Strip, my therapist told me that I need to, I need to do this. Okay, so these are my top five uh, Hager era songs. Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, I can't believe uh, I'm actually. Yeah, get ready, and it's, and it's, oh, yeah. it's going to even take pre- a. You should have prepared me for this ahead of time. I'm uh, taking it back. Number five is Judgment Day. Four is Feeling. Three, Mine All Mine. Two, All Fired Up, Naturally Wired. I love that yeah, song. And, and number one is 5150. I'm not oh, going to go into detail. I can't believe you have two off of OU812 yes. because you laughed also, at me. You rolled your eyes at me the last time I mentioned that album. So, um, <laughs> well, it's because it feels so good. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I love Mine All Mine. Like you say, we don't need to dwell on it. feels so good is on the album. I know. Um, and then also, when it comes to Van Halen 3, my favorite song is Year to the Day. And I tweeted at Gary Sharon two nights ago and told him how much I love that song and still I, I love to play it. And uh, he, he responded. All right. Great. So there you go. So yeah. that's now I'm I am uh, I'm that's at cool. peace. That's, I am yeah. I am at peace now. Yeah. All right. So, so here we go. Sunset Strip. Doug, it means so much to, to you, me. We talked about Van, we talked about Van Halen, but I mean, we're, that was that mid to late seventies run. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the bands that I'm thinking now. If you've got Van Halen in your top five, Sunset Strip, I get it. I threw eighties out there just because of that whole movement, yeah. right? And and that was because of Van Halen. Let's face it, they're the ones that spawned this whole thing. So I'm gonna we're gonna ask for your top five. But how big was that for you, man? The Sunset Strip growing oh, up, man. You know, I mean, I think like a lot of other people it start it all started you know with the mtv uh with the mtv era because it, it gave a visual side and and i've said it before on on nights you know nights of the rock table and when you and i have talked about wasp and other bands the visual side was just so big in the 80s you know and 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 it all came to light for guys like you and i because of mtv when all of a sudden we knew what these guys looked like and there was just this whole magic behind the image and and they were bigger than life and the videos were awesome and you know they had the girls and they had the look and everything and yeah that's where it all started you know and and so yeah so the the sunset strip stuff um i don't think uh you know in the early 80s that i had any idea how uh affected that i would be for the rest of my life right right by the sunset strip scene I just knew that I thought these guys were really cool and I wanted to be them and I wanted to, you know, I just couldn't get enough of the music. And um, it's amazing that we're sitting here, you know, I mean, all these years later and I'm still talking about it and it's still such a huge part of my life, you know. Yeah. And we're going to talk to Mark Knight from Bang Tango. You no know, doubt, you, right? I mean, you, you think about some of the, you know, your dude from Kick Tracy and, and some of the friend Chip and yeah. the, the guys that we were so into. Uh, and Don Dockin? Dude, yeah, that right? night will live forever, I know, man. Exactly. He had to count us. You know, put put us in our place when it, especially me, when it came to under lock and key. But uh, sometimes, sometimes your heroes, you just you want them to tell you what they're feeling, and he, and he did that night. Yeah, you got a top five as far as and, and like I said, yeah, uh, we're gonna read some some off of Facebook. A lot of people are putting Van Halen. I, I get it. I'm not putting Van Halen into this list because I mean that's that's a gimme. I, yeah, I, exactly. And and you know, I say like we said, you know. I mean, Van Halen's, you know, uh, first album came out in the late 70s. So by the 80s scene, I mean, Van Halen was playing to 15,000 people every week, you know. The bands we're going to give you right now are bands that wanted to be Van Halen. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> right? that's great. Or they, they band, I say, And that's funny because I'm looking at my list and all the bands I have on my list were heavily, heavily influenced by Van Halen or Kiss. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. You know, um, so, you know, which is kind of where it all started. Um, I, I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way first instead of saving it for last. I mean, Motley Crue, really, for the 80s. I mean, I, I think every list that we saw had Motley Crue 
on it. I mean, and probably at the top, Motley Crue Im- embedded everything that is and was the Sunset Strip to this day. And we're going to talk and, a lot of Motley right. Crue with Mark I mean, Knight you know, too. Right. I mean, it's it, you just th- yeah. that fingerprint is yeah. is it's uh, a, you know it, it's hard. You can't deny that Motley Crue really was. If you had to pick a band to show somebody that never heard the Sunset Strip what the yeah. Sunset Strip is and was and looked like and embedded it was embedded in yeah. all of our brains. You'd show Motley Crue. Okay, I'll move mm-hmm. on from that. Um, next one was Rat. You know, I mean, Rat was a huge band, um, and we we've talked about Rat before uh, about how when we were growing up, you know, Motley Crue obviously in the in the in the greater scheme of things obviously went on to more success and longevity than Rat. Dude, I... But when we were growing up, one they were one and the same. I mean, they were equals. I mean, you, you if you love Motley Crue, you love Rat, and vice versa. Um, and, and, you know, there's tons and tons of pictures from back in the day of those two bands hanging out together and they toured together yeah, yeah. and they opened up for, uh, they both opened up for Ozzy and they both did this and they both did that. And they were very, very, very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and, and I love Rat's body of work. I really do. All the way up through Detonator. I love I've every said it before. Album. I've every said it before. Album. Motley Crue is kind of the top of the the heap here. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Uh, then Guns N' Roses. We'll, we'll get into whole, that whole thing. But Motley Crue was the first one since Van Halen that really kind of punched you in the mouth. But Rat, I'm telling you, man, song for song, hit for hit. Like the numbers weren't there, and that was just because. I mean, dude, Rat, you. Like I said before, when someone in Rat dies, they die. <laughs> when, when, when someone in Motley Crue dies, they live. And right, exactly. Yep. Y- you know, it's just yep, like of Rat was as dysfunctional as we saw and have read about Motley Crue. Yeah, dude, Rat was that was. I mean, that was a train wreck a backstage. It was a you train know, wreck when, backstage. When, when you know, when Nikki Six. I'm gonna or, get a beer. Go ahead. Do you need anything yeah. while I'm up there? Uh, yeah, I'll take another one. Oh, of you got it. But Nick, tell her Nikki Six. So when Nikki Six or McMars dies, Motley Crue's catalog is gonna go through the roof. You know, it, oh, it's gonna yeah. blow up all over. You know, or any any of the guys in that band die, the catalog go through the roof. Absolutely. When 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 Robin Crosby from Rat died, uh, you know, some people didn't find out about it for a month. You know, you didn't know. Or maybe years later, I don't know. And it's there's no it's no fault of their own. It just you know it is what it is. But I, but I I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get us off no, of that. But right. I've always said that, and it's like I, I get it. Motley Crue is more popular, and and you, we're not going to win that argument, especially with yeah. our friends the Kulos and everybody else. And Motley Crue was they were big for me. Yeah, they, they were but, it, man. But Rat. Yeah. Damn it, dude. Yeah. I'll say this. Hey, we're not going to dwell on that. Okay. Here, here's Why not? The, here's the difference. Here's the difference. No ballad. No ballad. Every right. other band right. of that era had their, their biggest hit, for the most part, was a ballad or, right. this, or the song that really put them on the map. Rat did not have a ballad. No. Now, he they ended up a, writing a song with Diane Warren later, but yeah. but who hasn't, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Right. But, you know, they didn't have that big ballad hit. No, I, I hear you. And, you. and that was what got a lot of those bands for sure. the heavy, That's heavy a good rotation That's on a good point. MTV and the radio was the ballads. All right. Who so, else you got? Rap. Okay. Next band. If if you don't have this band on your list, you don't know the Sunset Strip because this band embodied so much of what the Sunset Strip was about. Faster Pussycat. Right. Okay. Oh. I mean, really. I mean, Faster Pussycat was the sleazy side. They weren't the they weren't pretty boys by any stretch no. of the imagination, you know. And they uh, and they didn't they didn't try to be pretty boys. They were dirty. They were sleazy. Their songs, you know, they've got a lot of sleaze in their songs. I mean, where there's a whip, there's a way. You know, I mean, I love Faster Pussycat. I do too, man. You know? I do too. I and, do too. And Faster Pussycat, uh, you know, the the fact that you know Tammy Down uh, it was involved with Ricky Rackman on the Cat House. And and the lore behind that place right. still lives to this day. And if you follow Ricky Rackman uh, on on uh, on his podcast or whatever, <clears throat> I mean the, the 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 stories behind that place are legendary. Uh, um, th- those got that band has so much hilarious dirty stories about them. It's just it's just awesome. And they're still around. You know, I know, I know it's just Tammy and and you know and his and his band of of whoever he pulls on the road that 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 month for the for the most part. Um, but they're still just dirty and sleazy and it's the just best gritty i'll, I'll, I'll go see faster no apologies yeah, yeah they're not they're not trying to to do anything groundbreaking they're just out there throwing the dirt in your face and they and i love them I dude love you them. and i like yeah. we sang that, that entire concert yeah. together yeah right? i got was, to open up for him a couple that years was great. ago that thanks was to great. our friend missy tong and that was great um all right next up uh this is the band uh, and I've, I've said this before made me go from 
wanting to stand on the sidelines and worship these guys to actually making me want to be one because I went and saw these guys in concert for the first time when I was 17, maybe 18-ish, uh, and I and I was like, I want to be one of those guys. Warrant. Jamie Lane from Warrant was an incredible entertainer, incredible singer. The wow. guys from Warrant were so fun. Yeah. I mean, when you saw them in concert, you felt like you were at a party, and the girls couldn't get enough of those Jamie guys. Jamie was one of the best front men yeah. in the whole scene, yeah, and man. songwriters, yeah. and songwriters. And they were, their concerts were a blast. And it was a free for all, and it was fun, and 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 they 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 brought something different at the time. I mean, you know, uh, their 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 body of work. I guess it depends on the type of fan that you are, whether you like the poppy stuff, right? You know, um, the, you know, the cherry pie and the heaven, or if you really were a fan of Janie's songwriting, which uh, you know, if you were, then you know that they had a lot more of a deeper catalog yeah. than just the stuff that you heard on the radio or saw on MTV. But they were so much fun in concert in the late eighties, um, to see, and, and it made me be like, Oh my God, I want to be in a rock band because yeah. they are having a blast. What a great band. Yeah. What a great band. Great. He's an Ohio boy too. I think that's where we all kind of, yeah. And I actually saw him in Akron, um, near his hometown and, uh, back, back in those days and, and, He's and, awesome, and shot pool with him and Jerry Dixon backstage. And, you know, I, I treasure those memories. Uh, last one, I'm the only person that we know that's going to have this band on their list, but to me, they embody a big piece of sunset strip, which is the glam, the leather, the t-shirt. Your boys, hair. dude, do it. Just pretty do boy it. Pretty Boy Floyd. I love Pretty Boy Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and the I think I like the most about Pretty Boy Floyd, and I actually got to tell Steve Summers, their lead singer, this uh, when I met him a handful of years back. It's like, man, they were, <laughs> they're just so stylized, you know. If you saw the four of them walking down the street, now I'm talking about the original band, you know, they've gone through a dozen memories right. or what plus over the years, but the original band, if you saw those four guys walking down the street, you would be like, that's yeah. a band. I mean, they were all wearing slick black leather, teased hair to the to the sky, heavy eye makeup, the fishnet gloves. I mean, they were so stylized. They're, you know, they were a lot more styled than substance. But I love their the, the whole experience, yeah, right? They, I just love what they what they meant to me at the time and how that you know what they were. All their songs are three and a half minutes or under, and you're not, they're never gonna you know win a Grammy for anything that they've ever done. <laughs> But they're fun, man. They were fun right. to see in concert. They, they, they were. I say they were more style than substance, but they're blast and they're still fun to go see. And uh, and I love them for it. I, I think a lot of your friends, me included, we love how much you love Pretty Boy Floyd. That's just, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. For yeah. sure. I'll go with that. All right, so here we go. Number five for me, and it's. It was a battle, and look, I put two names there, and I'm only going to say one. I had to cross a few off on my I put too. two names there, and, and you know what? This hurts me to even say that I'm going to – we just talked about them, <laughs> but I'm going to take them off because I'm going to throw L.A. Guns out first. They've continued throughout the years to write great music, especially when it's Phil and Tracy. Mm-hmm. Tracy Guns – I have the same respect for Tracy Guns that I do for Dave Mustaine. You're looking at the biggest rock and roll bands in the world, the two, especially in our our, our age group, is Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Mm-hmm. All right? Tracy Guns didn't want to, to to travel. If you ever heard Duff McKagan tell the story, he was in Guns N' Roses and then he wasn't, right? He was able to come up with a band like L.A. Guns where Mustaine was able to come up with a band like, like Megadeth where – Think about that. You had the golden ticket mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. That would have to drive these guys insane. So I have mad respect for Tracy Guns. And when he'll, him and Phil are together, I think they're one of the best out of the whole genre. And they still write great music. Yeah, I'll go they're, 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 I mean, they're, they, those two still write great music. I don't give a shit if there's six different versions. The version with Tracy and the version with Phil are the ones I'm going to see. Number four is Wasp. Wasp is one of those bands. Blackie Lawless is one of those guys who was just – you hear about stories of him and, and, and Don Dawkin, and those guys were there before the movement even even yeah. really hit. Let's face it. Blackie's the one that told Nikki Six to light himself on fire. It was like Kiss on steroids. It, it was. was like – And Wasp, you know, for, and we talked – you know, we obviously you and I did an episode, a Violent Alice episode about Wasp. You know, I, I didn't I – didn't, catch on to wasp until i was a little bit older okay like i told you for me they were they were so shocking when you were 12 or 13 right. that it took me a while to i was grasp weird. i was a little were. i was weird i was weird yeah I was you know it. so i say they were the bands that my older my friend's older brother right liked, right right you know and then um, when i grabbed onto them in 86 87 then i was all in 
You know, I wish there was more documentation. I know you and I mentioned earlier that uh, um, when we were talking about the show that Chris Holmes from Wasp has a documentary coming out. I don't know much about Wasp's role right. on the on the Sunset Strip because there's not a whole lot of doc. It's not like right. Motley Crue where they've all well, got a book. You know, I mean, and, and, and I'm talking about Blackie Lawless. Yeah. But I mean, Chris Holmes and the role he played. And yes, I'm going to bring Van Halen up again. Um, I mean, it was Chris Holmes's guitar that Eddie borrowed on Women and Children First. There's a lot of history on the Sunset Strip before we're talking about this this movement here in the '80s. But some of these guys. And some of the things they were doing before it took off, I mean, they were just, they were on the strip kind of just playing music and they weren't named. Uh, and it's crazy if you think about all these bands and their names previous, the, you know, what Great White was before they were Great White or Mickey Rat before Rat. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were, when they were at it, it was about, about a six or seven years period there before shit even blew up where our heroes, the guys we're talking about, I mean, they were paying their dues there. Yeah, some of the cats were trying to get out to L.A. Yeah, uh, that's and, a good example, actually. You know, because uh, Don Dawkins and Jack Russell, they were that's they're, the seventies. Yeah, oh, that's seventies Sunset Strip. Fairly older than you know yeah. a lot of the other guys were because yeah. they'd already been paying their dues for eight, ten years before all this stuff blew up. So. Doug, we're fifty, and we're still not as old as Mick <laughs> Mars was on Too Fast for Love. <laughs> all right, number three is Guns and Roses. I mean, that was that was a movement. I mean, that was. That was as big as Nirvana or any other rock movement. The importance of Appetite for Destruction cannot be overstated for rock and roll at that point in time. I mean, that album changed so much, you know, and, uh, and, you know, whether you're talking about, you know, Bang Tango or whatever, um, uh, you know, which we're going to get to in a little bit. I mean, the, the, the bands realized that it it wasn't about being pretty anymore. It was about being dangerous yeah you know and guns and roses was dangerous and the, and, the, and their album it, it, that album changed everything for 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 rock and roll fans I, I, it, it can't be overstated it can't honestly. be overstated number two is motley crew and motley crew was like that first bad boy band that i was into just such a special band and and we like we talk about their thumbprint on, on the sunset strip you can't deny motley crew and if you've got motley crew at number one no one's going to say shit to you because they were they're one of the all-time greats but the number one band for me and they it, honestly if if you're going to talk about my favorite bands and, and kiss and van halen uh, number three for me without a doubt is Dawkins. i was a, i was a huge Dawkins fan that was kind of where i went after van halen i kind of went over into Dawkins and got into george lynch and, and what him and don were doing and Still to this day, dude, we got to meet Don together. I, that blew my mind. Yeah, man. Could he have been any cooler? And you always you hear horror stories, man. You hear horror stories about these guys, and he's older and humbled and and rich, and he, it doesn't matter to him. Yeah. But how cool was he to us? It was man? amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll treasure that treasure that for the rest of my life. You know, getting to talk to a guy that meant, you know, uh, who uh, uh, the lead singer of a band whose music meant so much to me. Uh, at, a, at a point in my life that I, I was a huge Dawkins fan. Yeah, I was just yeah. a huge Dawkins yeah. fan. Remember yeah, when, when we first started the Knights of the Rock Table, we used to play that cruel game where we picked our <laughs> favorite people. And that first one, we had Don Dawkins versus Blackie Lawless. <laughs> yes. What a horror. Remember, and remember how we were talking? I was like, yeah. that was really dumb. And I picked Blackie Lawless. And, and I took and Don. And you took Don Dawkins. And we both, both second guessed I was like vomiting in the, uh, you know. in the trash can. There you go. What anyway, are you do? That's my number one. All right, so here we go, Doug. Let's. Uh, I put this up, the uh, Give Me Five listener poll, and I'll ask people about two or three days out before we record the show. So here we go. Let's see what the people uh, had to say. Uh, and we're going to – you know what? And, and Scott, he, he says, does Motorhead count? And that kind of gets me back to my original point where it's like, look, man, there's no wrong answers on any yeah. of these. Yeah. It, Lemmy – was a staple on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. He's got a statue yeah, with the rainbow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was always there. I mean, how can you not say that he's yeah. not a part yeah, yeah, of that you know, scene? Scott, Jackie, you're exactly Jackie right. Jackie Coke is a lemmy, you know. <laughs> here's, Miss, here's our girl, Missy Tong. Motley Crue, Rat, L.A. Guns, Wasp, Dokken. No particular order, but Wasp would be number one for me. There you go. Kevin Young, it's our boy right there, Kevin Young. Yeah. Uh, no particular order. Van Halen, Rat, L.A. Guns, Guns N' Roses, and Motley Crue. Dorsey chimes in. Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, Rat, Quiet Riot, mm-hmm. and Dawkins. Chuck Oney checking in. Uh, Motley Crue, Rat, Wasp, 
L.A. Guns, mm-hmm. and Sweet Savage. Sweet Savage. You knew that Chuck was going to come with something like it, that. Yeah. That's cool. I, I love it. I love hearing people throw out those bands. Yeah. Rob Marshall, Rat, Dawkin, Junkyard, Crew, and GNR. Junkyard. What a staple, man. That's a good one. What a staple. Our boy Brian, Weiss Kittle. That's our oh, boy. Yeah. Fan Halen, Motley Crew, Rat, Dawkin, Guns N' Roses. And he says, I love you, Arch and Doug. <laughs> Drunk Carl's right yeah. Sammy Hagar about 20 Sammy times. Sammy Hagar 4,000 yeah. times. Thank we got you, Carl. We got you. We know. Uh, Chris Reed, Guns N' Roses at number one. Poison, Faster Pussycat, Rat, and L.A. Guns. Sam Girardi, what's up, Sam? Uh, Motley Crue, L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, yeah. Poison, and Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, Doug, you had to uh, kind of challenge the, our buddies, the Kulos. And Angie says, Motley, GNR, Skid Row, Rat, and Warrant. Josh says, Motley, Rat, Warrant, Poison, and GNFNR. GNFNR. So, yeah. Makes – and they both had Warrant, you know, like you did. I mean that's yeah. – Janie was – He was great, He man. was one of a kind, dude. Yeah. He was one of a that, kind. I uh, love that video one of from a kind. Their, their show at Gazzari's from – I think it was from 86 or 87 – um, where then they were just like, you know, they, they embodied it, you know, they were living it. John McGill, uh, finishing up here, LA guns, wasp, Motley Crue, faster pussycat and poison. And we did have a, a chime in from, uh, Stevie Rochelle. So those of you guys that listen to this, if you're a fan of, of this, uh, of the eighties rock scene, you're familiar with the site sleaze rocks, which has been around for a long time. It was originally famous for having the, uh, I don't remember what they exactly called it, but it was where, was, like... Wasn't it Metal Sludge? Yeah, Metal Sludge. Uh, Metal Sludge was right. a site that had the, uh, the 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 rankings of, like... They're wieners. They're wieners, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> like, yeah. all these groupies. Like, I, I didn't need to know that about Chip. Yeah, exactly, right? right. So, where all these groupies that had slept with these rock stars chimed in about, you know, their, their uh, feelings on all these guys. But anyway, long story short, uh, Stevie Rochelle from the band <laughs> Tough... Uh, he's a, funny too. He's great, man. If you he's read his stuff, he's, he's ornery as shit. He, he you know. makes me laugh. He's got a comment on everything. He loves to poke the bear on oh, you know, guys does. like Sebastian Bach and things like that. That's why I like but, him. But uh, um, uh, great dude. And uh, so I reached out to him. I've I've met him a couple times, and uh, and he chimed back in. So I think he uh, I think he sent in a list. All right, here it is, dog. So so here this is so cool, man. He goes at one point in my early twenties. It was Motley Crue, Van Halen, Rat, Black and Blue. Black and Blue. Black and Blue was huge. Like down names, yeah. down on the river, man. We were we were really into those first couple records. Yeah. Uh, and Poison. But he goes, as an adult, probably none of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Black and Blue. Oh my yeah. God. They have a lot of great hits, you know. I mean, oh, they, 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 they hold never, on to eighteen was yeah, huge, man. 18, but uh, um, they never. Uh, you know, yeah. They never really got to the level. You know they were a little, they were more on the lower well, lower level. Well, guess you know? what? It worked out for Tommy Thayer, right? That it did. That it did. It worked you know? out for Tommy Thayer, guitarist and co-founder of Bang Tango, also Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes. Uh, joining us now in the garage is Mark Knight. What is up, dude? All good, man. Just you know, hanging in there with the crazy times we're all in, uh, but everything's pretty cool, man. Keep, keep busy. Well, I'm sure the weather out in Cali is a lot better than it is right now. So, in, in here in Ohio. Yeah, we have like the Indian summer happening here. It's been 100 degrees for months. <laughs> are you, are you we actually st- had some cool weather the last couple of days? It was refreshing. It felt like fall a little bit. So, all good. Yeah. Well, I see you on Facebook. You still surf and stuff, man. So, how long's that? I mean, when's the last time you you hit the waves or whatever the hell you surfers well, call I it? I my whole life. You know, it's kind of just part of my. Thing. I, I mean, I, I surf year-round. Uh, I haven't surfed lately a whole lot because I've been busy recording this this latest record I, I'm working on. So I've been really using using my time wisely. My free time, I'm always recording. So so let, let's talk about it. I mean, I, I, what I've read, was this going to be an April release? Or just tell, tell everybody exactly what's going on here. And is this an Unsung Heroes record? Is this just Mark Knight? Kind of fill us in, uh, Mark. Well, you know, it, it, it's Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes because, um, you know, I can, um, the guys I use, uh, I have like a kind of a catalog of musicians that I've been playing with for years that I go to for different parts and when I record records. But they're all basically unsung heroes. A lot of them I played in the band, the initial band that plays live. A lot of them are just great, incredible uh, musicians that help me out to make the records I've made. You know, for the most part, it, it's uh, it's me and Edward uh, Shnamsky. He's, he's uh, my partner, basically the drummer that's been with me for the last couple records. And he, 
co-produced this with me and did all the engineering. And, um, you know, we spent uh, two years in the makes. We finally finished all the recordings of um, 13 songs. A couple didn't make it, and we mixed and mastered it, and it's uh, it's it's in the bag at this point. Hey, Mark, this is Doug. I uh, follow you on Facebook. Um, it's been great to see you've gotten a, a chance here or there, at least along the way, to, to squeeze in a, a couple of you know acoustic and two-man shows and things this year. Um, how, how did you feel like creatively this year with uh, everything going on? I know for... You know, I've seen online where some some musicians, some artists are, are feel like they were extremely creative this year. Other ones kind of got, you know, in a, in a funk because of the, of the way things were. How, how, how did you feel creatively this year overall? Well, first of all, my, nice meeting you, Doug. Um, yeah, you too. Uh, I, so, so this is how this year went for me personally. We, we put the reunion of the, the original Bang Tango members together uh, about a year, about a year exactly to this day almost. <laughs> I think I got a call from Joe in October sometimes. So we put the band together. We went out. We uh, spent a couple months getting that all together. We did our first show in January, uh, January 25th, 2020. Great show. We sold out the whiskey, uh, our old stomping grounds. And it was on a real high. We got a great booking agent. We planned to do uh, M3 and some bigger festivals and, and spending the year basically doing like, uh, you know, selective shows. and. and it started out great, and then you know, COVID hit, and um, <clears throat> that got shut down. And we basically, uh, we were basically on hiatus. Is that the original Bang Tango who just started again? Right. So, uh, oh. For me, for me, musically and creative wise, like you, the question you asked, I was, you know, pre Bang Tango reunion. I was working on this record, so I just took all this time to really you know hone in and record this record with all the time in the world and i did it at my house uh most of the guitars and the vocals and all that so i was very productive that way creative wise those songs were already written so the creative creative aspect went into making this new record what do you what are you hearing mark from people as far as like festivals you know because let's face it i mean there you know there is going to be a lot of uh, bang tango fans listening to this and other fans of that era and, and they're wondering are we going to are you hearing any any rumblings and i guess we don't know none of us are doctors or, or, or scientists or you know guys who study diseases but i mean are, are you are you hearing anything is it just like it's going to be on hold all year. What, what, what are you guys hearing as far as like a musician who, who would play the game? Well, like our booking agent has basically told me straight out, like, you know, M3 was our, you know, kind of our bigger festival kind right. of return right. with the original guys. And that got, um, that got postponed two times. Um, and now it's been moved to like, uh, you know, spring 2021. And as I watch it, just like everybody else watches it, this this virus seems to just continue to kick up. So I don't I don't have the answers to right. really when that's going to happen. Um, you know, we're open to play. I mean, there's the social distancing concerts where people are separated and blah blah blah. You know, I I'm kind of I'm, I'm on hold with that as much as the next guy. I think all all. Oh, gotcha. Man. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I just, I was just curious if like, you know, if, if booking agents are, are even going to give it a shot. I, that's, that guess that was my thing. As far as a guy on your level, I was just curious if, if you had heard they're going to try and go ahead and make plans. You know, that's the bummer out of all this, you know, stuff keeps getting canceled, Mark. And it's like three or four months down the road and you're like, shit. Exactly. You know, like, like, that's like I said, M3. Is yeah. Yeah. Two times. So we, we got postponed in, in May, obviously. Then we, there was no talk about it being postponed again because September 4th and 5th or whatever the Labor Day weekend was supposed to happen. And then that got last minute. No, right. You know, Maryland shut it down. The mayor shut it down. So, um, and then it got postponed a year later, a year later would be May spring of 2021. And, you know, I don't, I don't, Right, <laughs> right, yeah, it. yeah. I was just, you know, yeah. It's really, it's really a drag because, like, you go, you have to prep for like doing big shows like that. Yeah. We just got back together. We put all this time in, so you know, you got to relearn those songs over and over. You got to get back with the guys, practice and this and that. But you can't really like start that because some of the guys live out of town from LA. You know, me and uh, Kyle and Tig live in LA. Um, 
Joe and Kyle Kyle in out of state. So we have to like plot all this these plans to rehearse and bring those songs back and get 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 up to par. But is it gonna happen? It it yeah, in the books they booked it, but right, you know, who knows? Right. <laughs> I don't know. What's the date on your on your new album? What what's that? Is that tentative? Is it is it happening? I, I could have sworn right, I read so it. my new record is completed. Like okay. um I actually really cool news, I leaked it out to uh, Howard Benson who produced Bang Tango and a million other big time artists. He's I, I finally just threw it out there to somebody just to be like, hey, this is real. He came back and gave a really great comment, said it's an amazing record, uh, really really blew me away uh, on Monday this week. So I just wanted to kind of give it to somebody to make make people realize I'm not like just talking about a record. It actually happened. Gotcha. So, um, my plan, I, I did a video for the first song, the first single. My, my daughter actually produced it, Scarlett. So I'm going to drop that in, in December and just throw out the first single and kind of get things going. And then I plan to release the entire record um, in, in the winter, late, late winter, oh, okay. early okay. spring okay. 2021. Yeah. So let's switch gears here a little bit because the, the rock world, yeah. it's been a couple weeks. And, and before I even really get into to what Eddie meant to you and stuff, I, I you posted that video and, and of Eddie playing the Strat backstage right? somewhere, and it was like it was like just a few days before it all went down, and and I, I that's and like I had commented on it, and it was like, oh my God, Mark, I'd never seen this, and you're like, I know, and the Jeff Beck stuff that he was doing on the Strat was, yeah. it, it's. Anyway, I wanted to make I wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that because some I've had people say, "Hey, have you seen the video?" I'm like, "Yeah, Mark Knight was one of the first cats I saw to actually post that on Facebook, and and uh, that video was incredible, Mark." Hey, right? Uh, He's mind blowing. He is. What What did Eddie mean to you, man? I mean, I mean, he was just he was like he was like the first guitar player. I went and saw Van Halen, first concert I ever saw in my life. I was like, you know, 16, 17, I went to the forum, saw Eddie play, and I was like, that's it, that's what I'm gonna do, that's that's what I that's who I wanna be, that guy. You know, I've been I went down the rabbit hole with Eddie Van Halen recently on YouTube and stuff, and you know, almost there's so many things that he, the way he, he perceived music and how he did his thing and he bought the Marshall that was too loud. I did the same thing as a kid, I saved up all my money and Bought this hundred watt Marshall head. I mean, he was just such a mentor. I mean, there there were a lot of guys that you know that were mentors to me too back then. But Eddie was just like he was the first guy that made me realize this is what I want to do. You know, and I came across that video. I saw that like a week a week before he died, and I and I watched it like ten times. I'm like, this is like unbelievable. So I shared it, and then you know I started getting on this Eddie kick again. And next thing you know, you know oh, passed away. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. In, the, in the video that Mark and I are talking about, and Doug, I don't know if you saw this. Oh, yeah, I definitely saw it. Yeah, it, it's, yeah he's, he's backstage, and it's it's obviously, I, I would say, late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. It was it was either the for unlawful or around the balance era. I, I'm, I'm not going to stick my neck out on the line and say when it was, but it's yeah. cool to see Eddie playing that type of guitar. It's cool to see Eddie uh, goofing around with it, and he was doing like those, those Jeff Beck like yeah. whatever the hell that's yeah, called. Those... About it. it was so great, right? Yeah. Was so Very cool. cool. It was. Doing something besides Eddie, you know? Do you have a, uh, yeah. do you have a favorite Van Halen riff? I, I had everybody tell their top fives, but I, I won't. Oh, so I won't... You know, actually, I, I got your text about that, so I kind of wrote down like. Nice. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's hear it. I did a little homework, you know? Say, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> respect to Van Halen, you know? Ed's the man. Right. I mean, my favorites are like. Number one probably is I'm I'm the one up the first record. I mean that's just mind blowing guitar playing, lighting up the sky on the yeah. second record. I like uh, somebody give me a doctor on the second record. I like uh, let's see Mean Street uh, and Unchained. Ain't talking about love, you know. I mean those were probably and all his of course all his solo stuff, little you know instrumental stuff. He yeah, did, Cathedral and Eruption and all those intros and stuff were my top stuff too. He could do anything, any kind of music, folk to country to like. To, I mean, there's nothing he couldn't do. He did porn music, Mark. He did some <laughs> porn music. No, I mean, he, he did. Just, That's right. He did some porn music. So I mean, <laughs> it was. 
every he was he was big in all in all the scenes, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Hey, we got we got Mark Knight on, on here with us, and uh, Mark. So here's the deal: we're talking about Sunset Strip. That's kind of where we're with, you know. So yeah, I just no one has. I mean, dude, you grew up there. I, I, I want to hear about yeah. the Motley Crue show. I want to hear what it was like to be a teenage kid. I mean, sneaking into these shows and doing these things. And what, what was it like on Sunset Strip, you know, well, when Motley Crue was starting? So, like, when I was in a high, a high school punk, man, we all, me and my buddies would load up, load up our car with a bunch of booze and <laughs> beer or whatever, drive down to the Troubadour. This is off the Sunset Strip. But, and we we get hammered and we go and see these bands. They were like kids. Uh, and then Motley Crue hit the scene and we saw, like, I think I saw their very first show at the Country Club in Reseda. Wow. Uh, I think that was their first show. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, they just like took, took, took the scene by storm. So we go, we became like huge Motley Crue fans, my group of bros that we'd go see concerts. And uh, we go to the Whiskey and they do two shows. They do an early set and a late set. Um, and we started going to see them like religiously every time they played. It was Motley Crue, you know, all the bands. And one one interesting story, uh, my buddy Kevin Hillary, he ended up playing bass for Quiet Riot. He, he went by Kenny Hillary. He was like my best friend in high school. He was, we were big Mick Mars fans. So what we would do is we'd go and buy like Mick Mars, the, the Mars candy bars. And we'd go down to the show. <laughs> And we throw the Mars candy bars at Big Mars. No. He, yeah, it was good. He he pick them off the floor, put them in his mouth, and and smile. Ah, we take pictures of them. <laughs> it was just like super cool, yeah. So uh, yeah, Motley was like Motley was just like the gimmick image band we've never seen before. You know, we were, we didn't grow up in New York and saw the Dolls and all those bands. So they were just like they had it all going on. It, it was it was great. You know, we'd see them out in the clubs and. Um, it was cool. You know, uh, Mark, obviously, uh, thinking about the Sunset Strip, you know, a lot of bands, they, they so heavily wore all their influences on their sleeves. And when Bang Tango, you know, came on the scene, it was a different thing um, to, to me. You know, I mean, it wasn't the, the you know, the, the glam and all the makeup. It was, a, it was a totally different sound and a different feel to it. So when you guys were, were getting yourselves out there, what, what bands did you kind of look at as like, we want to kind of do that? Or did you just uh, intentionally try to differentiate yourselves from, from what else was going on? You know, when we came out, on, 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 when we finally got like some uh, <clears throat> kind of like a little bit of like stance on the Sunset Strip, we basically, we, we were going after kind of a, Angular Roots Rock Aerosmith kind of like you know GNR had kind of like started exploding mm -hmm. uh, at the time and they, they were kind of like the band and not like we were chasing them because we we like totally related to that kind of band that was just like street edgy and heavy and punk and rock and all the blues rock all combined you know so uh, we were getting away from all the the hair hair I hate using that word hair band but. Like, you know, the Sunset Strip was really absorbed with a lot of, like, uh, puffy-haired blonde guys and bands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right, we were, right, we were, yeah. We, we don't want anything to do that. We want to get down and dirty and gritty. And, you know, we like we liked old Aerosmith and, you know, old Stones and, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of punk rock bands. And um, and then we uh, acquired some of the, uh, the kind of the European bands, too, that were doing alternative stuff like the early cult and bands like that. So we were trying to, like, uh, create a different scene from the, what was going on at the time. And that's kind of what Bang Tango was about. Mark, if, if you could go back in the heyday when, you know, you and your buddies were, were growing up and, and going down and hitting the, hitting the Sunset Strip, if you could go back and see one band again, maybe one you already saw. Or maybe one that, you know, obviously Van Halen, The Doors, I get all that shit. But if you could go back and just experience one of those shows again that you that you, that you you dug on, what would uh, who would you go see again, man, in the Sunset Strip back in the day? I mean, I think that, that honestly, like, I, I, I'm, I'm too, uh, I was too, uh, too young to see 
um, the Doors and Van. I miss Van Halen. I, you know, I missed Quiet Riot with Randy Rose. Right, by, right, by, right. By a minute, by a minute, because one of my buddies, older brother, took him to see that, and he didn't invite me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What a dick move. Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think probably the funnest and coolest band back in in, in those that era. I mean, I just really enjoyed the Motley Crue shows. I like, you know, Rat was great. Um, you know, I like some of the bands like Junkyard and, and Rhino Bucket. Those guys were kind of more in the Big Tango era. But uh, yeah. you know, Jet Boy, Jet Boy was a great yeah. band back then. Yeah, those guys were cool. And then of course GNR, GNR like they were just like dangerous and wild and. Um, you know, those shows were a lot of fun. So I, I can't really pick one in particular. I think the bands I mentioned are... Yeah, much, that's yeah. all we need. Before I cut you loose, it just while he's still alive, I, you know what? You mentioned Mick Mars, and I think he gets forgotten a little bit. Uh, when you hear a lot, when I hear like Tracy Guns talk, and when I hear some of these other guys from that era talk, they talk about trying to achieve Mick Mars's tone uh, that he that he got, especially on the Looks at Kill uh, song and, and stuff like that, stuff they were doing on Shout. He had a great tone. Mick Mars, you know, you you touched on about throwing candy bars and shit at him, but it's like his 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 his, his tone, man. He's I think he gets overlooked, and and he's he was very special for the whole scene. I think. Great. Great guy. Yeah. You know, we, we, uh, real quick, I don't know how much time we have. No, we're good. We're good. Okay. I, I, uh, when Bang Tango was, um, we were doing, uh, I forget what, we were pre production for Love After Death, and we were in the same studio that Molly was in rehearsing when, um, Karabi was, was trying out. And one day, Mick Mars and, and Nikki showed up to the rehearsal earlier, and we were talking, and Mick goes, uh, Nikki goes, Hey Mick, you gotta get the you gotta get the Mars sound on the on the next on the the next record. And he goes, Yeah, I gotta get my Mars sound. I'm gonna bring the Mars sound for sure. Basically he would like mic up like twenty heads and fifteen cabinets <laughs> and just like crank the shit. And uh, you know, he got that insanely overdriven big, big ass sound. I don't know how he did it, but it was definitely a sound. You're right. For sure, man. Mark Knight, okay. uh, appreciate you, man. Uh, can't wait to hear your, your new album. Uh, can't wait to hopefully see you, see Bang Tango. Hopefully this shit, you know, hopefully 2021 treats us a little better. But I really appreciate you taking the time and, and telling us these stories, man. It's awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. You got it, man. Thanks for having me, as always. The people I need to thank, everyone who responded to the Gimme 5 listener poll. And we also want to thank uh, Mark, Mark Knight, guitarist, one of the co-founders of Bang Tango. Doug Blessing, dude. What, good to should, see you, brother. Should we thank the studio audience yeah, yeah. who basically just sat in the back, watched football, and threw beer cans at us? Yeah. And we didn't even have any flights, Flight Path Bob. We had the one. Anyway. Yeah. Jeff Fun. I did, man. It was great. It was great to see all you guys again. Good deal, man. Thank you, Doug. Uh, stay frosty, ladies and gentlemen. Until the next one, this has been Garage Days, and I'm your host, Arch Madness. Yeah.